Myocarditis has become the darling of the anti-vax you know, community, but myocarditis is about 1% of the overall vaccine deaths. So the people who were dying were not dying of COVID, they were dying of something else. And I already told you the something else is blood and circulatory system clotting and bleeding related. So, and, and the fact that younger people are dying, somebody who dies at 70, if the average age of death is 75, somebody who dies at 70, they lost five years on average. Somebody who dies at 60 lost, you know, 15 years. But somebody who dies at 40, they lost a lot of their life. So life years lost is a better calculation. And what it comes out to is the vaccine killed far, far, far more life years from the American public. So we, we have enough data to, uh, to choke a horse. What about the database that you got, uh, the 500,000? Can you break that down for us? Did you do any analysis on it? Or <laughs> Very good. Right where I was going. So, yeah, it's now 500,000 from Massachusetts because we've had updates. I have it all the way through August of 2023. Uh, I also have the Minnesota data. I have um, my book is coming out in a couple of weeks. The real CDC. I write under the name Coquin de Chien, and Coquin de Chien is the initials of that are CDC with a little D. So that's why I say I'm the real CDC. It's really just a pen name that I use. It means naughty dog in French, bad dog. So I like El Gato Malo. He he does a good job on Twitter and he he writes real well. Uh, but I'm I'm not Spanish. I'm French. And I don't like cats, I like dogs, so I kind of stole it from him. But it's, So Co-Candish, you know, the real CDC. And in that book, I have a lot of data on Massachusetts. The second book will be The Real CDC Does Minnesota. But in the meantime, I have a document called uh, The CDC Memorandum. And I, I, I plan to serve that to the directors of the FDA, CDC, NIH, um, 12 of their underlings, uh, six attorneys general, at least, from different states, and I hope to get it before the statewide grand jury of Florida. It's 100 pages of documented um, uh, crimes, um, everything from uttering to fraud to uh, felony murder and depraved heart murder and first-degree murder. Uh, but also, there's 150 pages of, of graphs, and 150 pages probably contain about 400 to 500 graphs. And in those graphs, I break down individual causes of death. What I learned a year and a half ago is that 2020 was a year of excess respiratory in more, more than circulatory. And all of a sudden, on a year boundary, when we started vaccinating people in 2021, all the causes of death, the, the greater excess shifted. In fact, the, the excess respiratory, mostly pneumonia, we'll just say J18.9 pneumonia unspecified, that was used quite a bit. That, that dropped, that was, the, the marginal excess difference got cut in half. Okay. So the excess that had occurred from the baseline years of 2015 through 19 that went up in 2020 for the big year of COVID in Massachusetts, that difference was cut in half year over year, while at the same time, the blood and circulatory uh, causes of death went up instead of down. So COVID went down, respiratory went down, all causes went down. At the same time, the vaccine went up and acute post-hemorrhagic anemia, that's sudden blood loss anemia, uh, 89% of which was non-traumatic that I found. Okay, so you have a, a doubling of acute post-hemorrhagic anemia, sudden blood loss anemia. That means like something in your body blew apart. What it, I'll just tell you, it's aortic dissections, um, aneurysms that, that burst, um, 
gastrointestinal hemorrhages. These are things that have become, I don't want to say common, but certainly less than rare or more, more than rare, you know, however you want to say that. It's no longer rare. It's now showing up in the deaths of people who are on average 16 years younger than during the COVID year. So you have, the, you have a change in the symptoms by which people die from respiratory to circulatory and blood. Cardiac arrhythmia is up. Pulmonary embolism is up. So cardiac arrhythmia, you have a, a, a change in the electrical uh, system of your heart where the PQRST peaks and, and, and waves and drops kind of one might step on the next wave and the heart will can't figure out what to do. Do I contract? Do I expand? And it just stops. So you fibrillate, right? So you have people dying in their sleep. You also have people dying on the field. Um, some people are dying before myocarditis even presents itself. Myocarditis has become the darling of the anti-vax you know, community, but myocarditis is about 1% of the overall vaccine deaths. 1%. So by only talking about myocarditis, you diminish the, the overall by two orders of magnitude. So the number of vaccine deaths, if you look at myocarditis, just multiply it by 100. And I'm talking stroke, and there's 50 different kinds of codes for stroke. But so, yeah, so that's what I found. The, um, the, the blood, uh, there's something wrong with blood, uh, with the thrombocytopenia deaths. And um, there's something called I8, which is the, 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 um, the veins and lymphatic vessels, both are messed up. And then the D8, which is the immune mechanism, uh, that's pretty messed up. A lot of people <clears throat> in excess dying from those. And I'm very conservative. And I use a linear least squares to f- algorithm to determine like what would the next ones be? You know, that's those are big words. All that means is put five points on a graph and try to estimate a line that goes among the five points, and then extend that line into the next years. It's it's really it's not complicated. And if the line is negative sloped, I use average. So it's really more. You know, I, I'm I'm very undercounting if anything all the deaths. Three things: the symptom spectrum profile, I call it. So what people are dying from? They're dying from uh, like I said, cardiac, stroke, pulmonary embolism, gastrointestinal hemorrhages, aortic arch dissections, um, more than the respiratory, which went down at the same time. And then the age spectrum profile also changed. It dropped 16 years. Well, why is that important? Because if COVID killed at an average age of 81.3 in 2020, and then you have excess deaths that match that almost perfectly at that same age in 2020. But then in 2021, <clears throat> the average COVID age death was about 16 years over the average age of excess deaths. So the people who were dying were not dying of COVID. They were dying of something else. And I already told you that something else is blood and circulatory system clotting and bleeding related. So, and, and the fact that younger people are dying Somebody who dies at 70, if the average age of death is 75, somebody who dies at 70, they lost five years on average. Somebody who dies at 60 lost, you know, 15 years. But somebody who dies at 40, they lost a lot of their life. So life years lost is a better calculation. And what it comes out to is the vaccine killed far, far, far more life years from the American public. That's not even counting the people affected. When you take a 40-year-old out of society, the children are affected, the wives, the brothers, sisters, 
and they're affected for not just the life of that person, but their own lives. Children growing up without parents are more prone to uh, pathologies such as drug addiction, suicide, and so forth. You've, you're creating those type of pathologies in a whole bunch of kids who otherwise would have grown up with two parents in a happy household instead of growing up depressed without their parents. So that the, the effects on society are far-reaching, far-reaching beyond losing a 95-year-old to COVID, such as I, I have a death certificate of a woman, 98 years old. It said she died from heart attack. Who's going to say anything about that? Well, I find the VAERS record. I know I got the right person. She reacted right away to the vaccine. Her heart rate went to 145 beats per minute at 98 years old, and she was dead in two days from a heart attack. That is a vaccine death. Now, as far as I know, that, that's why Kevin McKernan points to me and says Bodwin has some good data, because I haven't even talked about the cancer. Secondary malignant neoplasm of the lymph nodes in Massachusetts is up more than 400% of normal in 2023. It was 258% of normal in 2022. Okay, so the, the short-term or acute effects that I told you about the blood and the, um, you know, blood and clotting and circulatory system and heart and so forth, those acute effects have dropped along with vaccine uptake, which has dropped. In Massachusetts, at 95% uh, first dose, 82% second dose, and I don't even know the third dose is probably in the 40s, but people have stopped taking the vax. Even the ones who said, well, I got it, I did the right thing. It's like, no, you stopped taking it because you know there's a problem, but you won't admit it because the local culture in Massachusetts is to vax, vax, vax. We have 600 pharma companies, 47 billion in venture capital financing. I drive by Moderna on my way to get groceries. Pfizer's uh, divisional headquarters for the vaccine is in Andover, Massachusetts. There are 10 companies over a billion revenue in pharma in Massachusetts. There are 50 companies over 100 million in revenue in Massachusetts. And guess what? Guess what was in the top three of purported, purported deaths per million in the world after, you know, a year of COVID was Massachusetts. It was New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts. Belgium was a distant fourth. Massachusetts was 50% more, more than Belgium after the first four months of the, of the, uh, of COVID on July 27th, 2020. So you have all the companies in Massachusetts that stand to gain. Just happens to be the, the greatest amount of, uh, of COVID purported deaths. And, and you've got me who finds that acute fentanyl intoxication, fentanyl overdose deaths, they were labeled COVID. They tested dead bodies for COVID. Blunt force trauma to the head, blunt force trauma to the torso. I have hundreds of accidental deaths labeled COVID. Now, if they're willing to go so far as to label those with COVID, what do you think they're willing to do to 85 and 95-year-old people who die of heart attacks? They just died in their sleep at 85. COVID, 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 COVID. The COVID deaths were probably, there's no way to tell for sure, you know, so I can say whatever I want because they lied so much on the death certificates, committed so much fraud. In my opinion, after all the work I've done, which is thousands of hours evaluating million, a million death certificates from Massachusetts and then Minnesota and some from Vermont, about 80 to 90% of the purported COVID deaths in Massachusetts are absolute fraud. They did not die with COVID being causal in their deaths. I believe 80 to 90%. Yep. And I also have a number of people who sent me the cases of their, their children and their spouses. I've looked through a 4,000-page medical report and tried to, I used an optical character recognition because 
they're, they're being so mean to the families from the hospitals that they're giving them images instead of giving them searchable documents. They're giving them like a picture of a document. So I have to run it through an OCR, optical character recognition software, to pull the words back out and then search for things like vanco, for vancomycin, remdesivir, baricitinib. And you find that I just keep finding the same protocol over and over. Lorazepam, adazolam, fentanyl, crash the guy's uh, respiration. And then, oh, well, he's not getting enough air. We got to put him on a ventilator. They they put him on a ventilator. They get they test them for COVID. They get put on, uh, you know, they get some extra money for making it a COVID case. Then they put him on remdesivir, cms.gov, on November 2nd. November 2nd, 2020 is a big date. Because what you'll find is, there was no correlation with acute renal failure and COVID for the entire year of 2020. And then they, they had the EUA for remdesivir. There was one in May and one another one earlier. And then they had one in October 22nd was a big one. <clears throat> but until they started the money flowing, 20% of the entire hospital bill gets jacked. So if somebody goes in, has an ICU stay for half a million bucks, the hospital gets $100,000 if they can pump remdesivir into somebody's veins. Baricitinib is also on that list. The reference is in my book. The link is there. It's on the website. Um, it's on the government's website. This is all true. Now, if you incentivize something that much and it gets used, and then is it, you know, the kidneys start shutting down, and then you get the, the sepsis from either the, um, they do the central line, right? They, they, put, they put so much drugs in somebody's body, they can't even use the arm veins. They have to go central line in the jugular vein or something all these crazy things that they did killed people and they brought them from one thing like uh 87 trouble you know they were coughing when they entered and then they went from coughing to testing positive to being put on drugs to then crashing their breathing being put on a ventilator then after they were put on a ventilator they ended up with an infection then they got put on uh you know before the infection, remdesivir, baricitinib, and then um, vancomycin and vancomycin finally in my, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a, I'm an engineer, right? I do investigation. I find things. Everybody was on vancomycin eventually. Everybody. And anytime somebody went on vancomycin, their kidneys were, it was it. It's over. Actually, you know, uh, I follow this guy called Ethical Skeptic on uh, on Twitter. You saw some of his data, uh, so you can replicate his charts and you can explain all those things as well. Or can you speak to that? <laughs> yes and no. So he's working from the CDC data, and uh, he does an excellent job with what he has. And you know, I mean, like a really excellent job, right? Um, I don't understand some of the stuff he does. I'm taking raw data and I'm I'm shaping it to communicate it to a broad audience, not to doctors and scientists, but to regular people. I mean, I changed the the publisher made me change the subtitle of my book from "COVID Facts for Regular People" uh, to um, "Exposing Public Health Crimes 2020 to 2022." But so he he's got the same cancer graphs that I have now, so we're kind of converging um, over time on showing the same stuff. It's kind of like, it's kind of like we think similarly in how to display data to people, um, but just graph it differently, you know? Um, so, but, but again, he's using the data the CDC has. I'm using the source data from the death certificates before and after the CDC codes them. Uh, once they apply the codes, now if they apply codes and then they give you a, a category, oh, here's a good one. Here's a really good one. So renal failure. If if you do if all you do is a graph on renal failure, you get both chronic and acute. 
chronic is you've had, you know, renal failure stage one, two, three, four. Um, and you might, you might eventually die from renal failure and that goes on a death certificate as an N18 dot whatever, one, two, three, four. Um, whereas if you didn't have a, a problem before and all of a sudden you have, you know, an acute, that means sudden, okay, sudden renal failure. It's called sudden kidney failure, acute kidney injury, or acute renal failure all mean the same thing. So acute is N17, okay? N17.9 is unspecified, and there's a couple in, in the, you know, dot ones, twos, threes, I don't really pay attention, but so let's look at N18 chronic versus N17 acute. If you say, wow, renal failure is up 20%. Wow, that's really high. There's a lot of people dying of renal failure. And I separate it and I say, well, wait a minute. All the, the excess deaths that occurred in 2020 are no longer available to die. They're dead. So that means, and I look at it and say, oh, chronic renal failure is actually down a little bit, but acute renal failure is up 100%. Not 20%, 100%. So when you have record level source data, you can separate more things. You can do this with CDC, but you have to get into it. Do it. It's a lot of work. It's a lot easier for me. I just I've set up my system and programmed my uh, spreadsheets where I just type in a number. It takes about 15 minutes to run, and when it's done, it's generated all my graphs for me. So so here's here's the story. Uh, chronic. It's called a Simpson's paradox when two signals step on each other. Right? You have negative one plus one. Add the two, you get zero. So if you look, say, oh, it's zero. So yeah, there's no problem. Uh, or, or, hey, it's only 20%. It's, oh, that's pretty bad. Actually, 20% is really bad. But, oh, it's 20%. I separate them like, no, actually, it's up 100%. And what that equates to, to give you an idea, 2,000 extra acute renal failure deaths in Massachusetts in 2021 and 2022. I'm not even talking 2023 yet. 2,000. In Minnesota, same thing happened. 1,600. In Nevada, same thing happened. In Vermont, same thing happened. It extrapolates to about 100,000 extra souls are gone from this planet. That's who wouldn't have otherwise died from one single cause of death, acute renal failure on their death certificates. I'm not saying it was the only cause of death on their death certificates. I'm saying looking at only acute renal failure, 100 extra souls, 100,000, 100,000. United, United States, yeah. Now, if you think about that, that's that's like the biggest epidemic in the history of the United States since 1918, 1919. And nobody's even paying attention to it. It's like this data that I have, like, come on, people, wake up. You know, that's because, oh, COVID, COVID, a million people died. No, only, I mean, they said on stage 171,000. It's pretty close. You know, I, I, I think it was Malone who said that. I, we, we don't know exactly the number, but I'm in that area. I'm in like 100,000 to 180,000. If he wants to say 171,000, I'm there. I'm right next to him saying, yeah, you go, Robert. You're right on. That's how many people died. Now, if they were 81 and lost one year of life per death, that's, you know, 171,000 life years lost. But if you look at acute renal failure, 100,000 extra people died and they lost on average about 25 years. What is that? 2.5 million, 2.5 million life years compared to COVID, which is only 170,000 life years. And you ruin families, kids growing up without their parents. In fact, it goes down into the 25 to 44 range. There's significant excess. In this, the CDC memorandum, you'll see, there's a, like I said, there's about 400 to 500 graphs in that. Now it's got Minnesota and Massachusetts. Um, there's no 
data and analysis like like I have. And any state can do this. I'm just one guy in a, you know, in my just an engineer thinking pragmatically because it's not going to be, you know, I love all the doctors do all the work and they make, you know, they have conferences and stuff. This is all great. But what it comes down to is public opinion rules the roost, right? And public opinion will be swayed by experience and pragmatism. And that is little Johnny two doors down just died, you know, or I'll say, let me give you a real name. Ian was 11 years old. Ian got the booster from a, this is from a, somebody in the family. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with, with the source of information on this. And I have his death certificate. Ian was given a booster, had chest pains, trouble breathing, went to Boston Children's Hospital. They put him on a ventilator so they could get their extra 30 grand from the CARES Act. They, you know, coded him with probably uh, COVID so they'd get that extra money. Um, He died. They donated his heart. They pulled it out of his chest. They couldn't use it. It was full of clots. I think we know what killed him. It doesn't say it on the death certificate. So they're hiding everything. CDC, I mean, is lying about everything. Their, their job is to protect the vaccine, not the public. And this is, uh, you know, custom and practice is to, you know, protect the vaccine. And as that is custom and practice, this is murder, murder, murder over and over to the point, what, what do we do? You know, we don't have a DOJ who's going to do their jobs. We have to go to the states. So we have to go to grand juries within states and counties. And that's what I'm trying to do now. We need to get the true factual information of all this malfeasance, worse than malfeasance, you know, criminal, felony, homicides. They need to do their investigation. They need to subpoena whoever they need to subpoena. The, the, the field of epidemiology, uh, one of the chapters in my book, one of the last chapters is redefine epidemiology. Because, I, you know, I, I run the risk of offending epidemiologists by saying the things... The, 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 I think the best modeling in the world is in electrical engineering life field because we deal with um, six-month simulation runs of a single one second of uh, microprocessor simulation. So all the code that runs through a microprocessor in one second, in order to simulate all the, all the, ga- all the transistors on that chip, would take six months. So the algorithms that we use in simulation of these are all the inputs and these are all the expected outputs. Simulate it and see if, see if we get what we're supposed to get. The, the optimization in electrical engineering, I think, is far better than anything else in the world out of necessity because to, to spin a chip takes millions and millions of dollars. So how does this translate to the ethical skeptic and uh, math and all that? I believe he has come up with his own way of um, characterizing certain functions and just you know, looking and deciphering waveforms and signals. He's good at putting waveforms up and showing, doing the, the average of an increase. Uh, he draws a line through a fluctuating signal that kind of goes up at an angle. I do the same exact thing. I just shape it a little bit differently. I use 51 day curve smoothing or 11 day curve smoothing, depending on what I'm doing. But sometimes I use, uh, bi, bi monthly chunks of data and I'll do like, seven and a half periods, which was three and a half months, and do curve smoothing on that. Um, it's all kind of the, we're both doing the same thing. And he, I think if, if you look at what he's doing from the context of, don't, don't think about standard methods, 
just try to understand what he's trying to show you. And is the math right? The math is right. And visually, what he's showing you is that a lot more people are dying now than died before. And then he gets into individual causes like I do. He's showing you the same thing. It's, it's, his, his stuff is great. And I'm showing you on three, well, let's say two states, Massachusetts and Minnesota. And he's showing you like USA, you know? Um, so it, it's real. It's real. Ed, Ed, Ed Dowd, um, I talked to him. He's the one who told me to write a book. I wouldn't have written a book if he hadn't said, John, your data complements mine. I've got the super high level of all the, the big data, and you can get down to the, the mid-range causes, individual causes in the individuals. And I talked to Carlos and Yuri from time to time in Portugal. Uh, great guys. They do the work for Ed on the math side. And, and um, you know, I, I'm kind of like a cowboy to them because I'll, I'll do some stuff and put it out. And they make sure it's, it is ironclad. You will not find a mistake from Carlos and Yuri. I made one mistake maybe six months ago. I had to delete it and pull it off the web. And, and, uh, those guys don't make mistakes. But so Ed does the, uh, high, high level, uh, insurance data and that stuff. They're doing a really good job. Now they're getting into causes. They're like, they did the eye codes, the cardiac, uh, codes. <clears throat> and did a really good job on that from the NHS data. Between Ed at the high level and me at the mid-range to extremely low level, I even go down into 4,000-page medical reports and read words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, we, we, we have enough data to, uh, to choke a horse, you know, uh, at least to choke everybody in the CDC. You know, the, the, um, that, that horse needs to be put out to, to pasture or taken behind the barn because the CDC... Um, is just a vaccine promotion company. All they do is market vaccines. The same with the FDA. You know, I have the CDC memorandum will have 100 pages of hard evidence and pros and another 150 pages of graphs, about 500 graphs, four to 500 graphs. Um, between that and Ed's data and the ethical skeptic, uh, it's over. You know, no, the only way they can stop it is keep suppressing our reach. And I'm very suppressed on um, Twitter. I only do pretty much Twitter. And uh, I, I get about 10,000 readers on my sub stacks, which is, you know, it's modest. Not a lot. But, um, you know, I, I got to get the word. I just want to save kids because I lost my son. I got nothing else to do. I don't even want to be here anymore. I just want to save kids. That's it. And parents are being conned into believing that it's a vaccine. It's not a vaccine at all. We know that, right? It's a gene therapy. Uh, now with Kevin McKernan's finding of the SV40 promoter, the plasmid, um, you're messing with people's genes. So it, it needs to stop. It needs to stop. Why would the FDA or a comparable organization not be conducting a serious investigation into the phenomena of excess deaths? I think that would open the door to admitting immense responsibility and liability for what we're talking about, Russell, which is a, this is a humanitarian catastrophe. I mean, in my most recent op-ed, we have data show that in the first nine months of 2023, 158,000 Americans died more than predicted, more than would be expected by stable uh, rates of death. 158,000 Americans. That's more than 
all the combat losses, including Vietnam and beyond ever since. And so this is a massive amount of Americans dying. Our life expectancy dropped from 79 to 76 in the span of three years. Who has to die for that to happen? It's nothing but young people. The rates, the most alarming rates are the 35 to 44 and 44 to 55. Um, incredible sudden spikes in death really centered in the third quarter and fourth quarter of 2021. And you have to ask yourself what major societal event occurred at that time that could possibly explain those deaths. And it, it, it was not all COVID deaths. We have the data. You can't explain it with COVID. And so I've not seen anyone with a credible alternate explanation for a sudden spike in the healthiest members of the society. And the other interesting thing about the data is when you look at who is dying, it's essentially the white collar workers died more than gray collar that died than more than blue collar. So you have to ask yourself what happened in the workplace, in the American workplace in the third quarter of 21. And that's the only answer I can come up with. These are the deaths that happened in Malaysia. It's a country in Southeast Asia. Scientists wanted to study what happened to the overall death rate during the pandemic. The deaths clearly increased, but look, this is where the pandemic was declared, and this is when the vaccine program rolled out. Same thing happened in nine other countries. Here's Australia, New Zealand, the Philippines, Singapore, Thailand. After studying over a dozen countries in the Southern Hemisphere, the scientists concluded that after 13 and a half billion COVID vaccines that were given out worldwide, 17 million people lost their lives from vaccines alone. And the death rate data for the elderly was just shocking. Welcome to Frontline Health, I'm Dan Skorbak. In a new report that's yet to be peer-reviewed, Canadian scientists looked at the pandemic from a thousand-foot view. They wanted to see how much the pandemic affected all-cause mortality. You see, the virus can kill in many ways, not just from the visible infection symptoms. If you want to find the real cause of death, you have to dissect each and every single person who died for any reason and looked at the body under a microscope. Then you can see if they died from COVID or not. On the other hand, the authors explain you can look at the big picture, the metadata, meaning look at the all-cause mortality, which basically means that the scientists remove the reasons for the deaths and look at death itself as a measure. Did more people die in this period of time? Then it's easy to tell if our approach to solving the pandemic worked on a population level or it didn't. So the best way to measure what happened during the pandemic is to look at all-cause mortality. And these scientists were also interested in how the data turned out during another event, specifically during the rollout of COVID-19 vaccines. You see, their initial research showed some shocking correlations between vaccine rollout and people dying. But some people argued that it might be just a seasonal effect. For example, the vaccines were rolled out in some countries in January and February, and that coincides with the flu season. So this time, the scientists looked at a much larger subset of data and measured what happened in the countries that had vaccines rolled out in different seasons, even during summer, which is way outside the flu season. So let's look at the report. First, they found that in all countries that were included in their analysis, all-cause mortality increased every time the COVID-19 vaccines were deployed. Second, nine out of the 17 countries had no detectable excess death 
right after the March 11th, 2020 event. That's when the World Health Organization declared the pandemic. And these countries didn't have excess deaths up until the COVID-19 vaccination campaign began. Third, unprecedented peaks in all-cause mortality were observed in January and February 2022. This coincided with or followed the rollout of boosters in 15 of the 17 countries studied. And while it was winter in North America, in those months, it was summer in most of the South America. So the flu season was not a factor there at all. Four, excess all-cause mortality during the vaccination period beginning January 2021 was 1.74 million deaths across all ages and countries. That makes it one death for every 800 injections. And five, the vaccine dose fatality rate increased exponentially with age, reaching almost 5% among those 90 years and older who received a fourth vaccine dose, which translates to one in 20 deaths from COVID vaccines among the elderly. Dennis Rancourt, one of the authors of the study, told the Epoch Times in an email that, quote, there is no evidence in the hard data of all-cause mortality of a beneficial effect from the COVID-19 vaccine rollouts. No lives were saved. Researchers also looked for a counterexample. Maybe there were places that showed that COVID-19 vaccines improved the all-cause mortality but they could not find a single country with such trends. According to the report, data from numerous countries such as India, Australia, Canada, Israel, and the United States show a similar phenomenon. The peaks in all-cause mortality coincide with booster rollouts every time. In the United States specifically, deaths were prominent in the 25 to 64 age group in 21 states, coinciding with a rapid surge in vaccines given during the vaccine equity campaigns, launched by regulatory agencies. Researchers estimated that the United States had about 160,000 excess deaths in that age group during a period where over 60 million COVID-19 vaccine doses were given out. So if your friend or family member is thinking about or being pressured into getting a COVID-19 vaccine, please share this report with them so that they can make an informed decision. This is Frontline Health. I'm Dan Skorback. Stay healthy, America.